Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. David Fultz, a.k.a. Chef Flutters, serves our healthy appetite for knowledge and meat. This week, our main man at State Classy Meats talks locally sourced foods, the farm-to-table phenomenon, and his commitment to your next meat meal. Chef Flutters explains what it's like to come up in the harsh back-of-the-house environment of a kitchen. It's a place where even the dedicated are pressed to perform back-breaking work for hours on end and miss significant personal life milestones. This is what the passionate men and women behind the apron are doing just to provide you with a meal to remember. This is episode 278. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? It is that time again for the premiere podcast in strength and conditioning. I'm going to need a better echo out of you next time, John. I feel like your heart wasn't in it. In it. In it. There's only two. What are you talking about? What hey, have I man. never inged with all full, you know, 100% commitment? The thing about this show is you got to be in it, man. You got to be prepared to miss birthday parties, funerals. So you got to be in it to win it? In it. You, it's your soul. You got to be able to miss holidays. Like, it doesn't matter. You got to show up and you got to put on the show of your life every day, day in and day out. That's how we know you're dedicated. Uh, once a week. Down. Once which, a week. Which I'm not willing to do. So um, well, just letting you guys That's know. why we only record once a week. Because <laughs> if we did it every day. I think we'd be, I think we'd be way better at shells it. Shells of human beings. Ings. 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 <laughs> hey, oh, Tax. Oh, finally. Hold on. Let me write Jesus. that one down. That's your second funny. People of Power Athlete Nation. Dude, did you notice Texas timing? You must be watching Fletch. Maybe. I won't give away my secrets. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I don't think you secrets. keep secrets. It's, it's. Yeah. No, that doesn't have a good echo. Uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen, Power Athlete Symposium is just a couple months away. Unless you've been a, like a fucking ostrich that keeps his head buried in the sand, right? That's right. Or is that just from cartoons? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have a killer speaker lineup. We've got Dr. Kara Miller. We've got Adam Nelson. Brian Mann is on the show. Lindsey Matthews from BirthFit. We got Jim Kielbasso. We got Tex, Mr. McQuilkin, Jay Welly. We are going to, and Raf Ruiz. Ruiz. We have a four coach practical session. We're going to take you from start to finish. Everything that you need to know about being more athletic, faster, stronger. And that's going to be at Power Athlete Ranch. Tickets there are limited. So get your shit together and get on it. In addition to that, Rob Wolf. Going to be in the show this year. Boom. That's the word on the street. Uh-huh. Brad Schneider from two, three symposiums ago? Yeah, two. Two. Yeah, two. Two. Who fucking tore down the house is going to be back, kicking the doors in and, and lighting us up. There is a hell of a lineup, people. Get your shit together and get to events.powerathletehq.com and buy your seat to the Power Athlete Symposium. We only have a couple dozen of the practical uh, practical tickets left. So if you want to get on a bus from Native Event Center in downtown Austin and get shipped out on a party bus, much like a party barge, but dry land vehicle, and you're going to pull up to the pearly black gate of Power Athlete Ranch, and you're going to go... You'll know, it's, <laughs> you know you're here when you see the rusty trucks. There's going to be a rusty boneyard of trucks, and you'll know you're there. And you'll know you're about to have your mind blown by some of the sharpest coaches that we know. Right? Do it. And if you are unlucky or unfortunate and you do not make it to that that practical session, guess what we got arranged for you? We have a crew of party starters to take you on a pub crawl to our favorite spots around Native Event Center in downtown Austin. It's going to be lit 
dudes and dudettes. So get your shit together. Get over to events.powerathletehq.com and be a part of the premier strength and conditioning speaker event in Austin in December. In December. 7th, 8th, and 9th. Yeah. This year. Am I wrong? In 2018. Or am I wrong? It is the premier symposium in strength and conditioning in Austin, Texas on December, December. 7th, 8th, and 9th. Yeah. What else ing, you got ing, better ing. to do? No, nothing. Literally nothing. What you listen, you're well, gonna have your Christmas shopping done and, by November. And you get to rub elbows with the coolest people in people, like like Luke and Tex. Yeah, and we're gonna uh, be Rob there Wolf. Rubbing everyone's elbows. Tex is gonna do it with the front of his hand. I'm gonna do it with the back of my hand. Well, it's actually, less personal. It's Tex, less creepy. Tex is gonna be uh, clean, you know, shorn like a oh, like a like, like a yeah. like a hairless cat. I'm just gonna call him come Mr. Bigglesworth. <laughs> Bigglesworth. Oh, All right, okay. I guess we should give him a fundraising update. Yeah. Hit it. For Wade's, Wade's Army. Army this year. If I reach my fundraising goal of $20,000, which that's a lot of hooch. You're over halfway there, uh, buddy. I think I, you're a massive pussy for putting it so high. I think you should have put it at like two grand, and then you could have just ended up like a fucking... million dollars. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm afraid of losing all my body hair and looking like Mr. Bigglesworth, so I'm going to set it real high. So what do you... Seriously, go, go with it. Tell the people what's going on, and we have to have a little heart-to-heart here on, on the air. Go ahead. Well, it's called Hashtag Wax Tax. And I've mm-hmm. set a fundraising goal very high. You are correct because I've, You're I've a huge been pussy. through. No, I've been through. Huge. I waxed the back in college. It was no fun. Yeah, but it was like CVS wax. Well, what about your nipples? Buddies. No, we did back only. Mm-hmm. But this, I, mm-hmm. keep this going. year, it's full. It's full upper. I say we laser. Keep going. Keep going. No, we'll laser. get a laser hair removal. John, let, let him and, explain and to the we'll people. We'll take turns doing let, it. Let him explain no. to the people what he's going to do for what. If I reach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A twenty thousand mm-hmm. yeah. dollar fundraising mark mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Wade's Army. Then, mm-hmm. and we're going to document this. I will get my back and chest waxed. <laughs> what about your forearms? I can't do that. Are we going? Are, are we going to get the forearms in They'll there? Grow back. You seen that Seinfeld? Forearms no, but that was shaving. Limits. Okay, forearms l- off limits. Well, what about if we get flutters out here with his kitchen knives and he just shaves you up with the kitchen knives? Because those things are pretty sharp. So, Tex, here's, here's what you have. You have the opportunity to raise funds for, for a great cause, right? You are putting literally life and limb on the line, except for life. All you have to do is get fucking rubbed up by some hot waxing person, most likely me or the intern, and it's going to feel good. That's going to be a nice, pleasurable, hot wax experience. I just can't wait to rip it off. Yeah, what? and then all we're going to do is in front of everybody at the symposium, everyone's going to come out. It's not in front of the symposium. Hang on. You got your time. I want my time now. We're going to have everybody come up one by one and take a strip. <laughs> not <true>. text here. <laughs> and then they get to take it home with yeah. them as a, uh, part, as, as, a, as a party gift. 90 seconds max of discomfort uh, per I, strip. Because you're going to go no, fucking slow. I got one better. I got one better. Rudy Reyes dressed up uh-huh. as Ziggy Stardust in Wait. full you know, regalia, the mask, the whole deal. He comes over. And with and with a laser shooting from his hands, which is really the laser that you you know laser your hair removal with, mm-hmm. coming out of his fingertips, he just points at you and your hair falls off. Can I give another Rudy Reyes suggestion? Can we wax Rudy's chest and stick it on the back of Tex, and Rudy becomes the wax strip? So you like glue, okay? So, oh, glue so we glue Rudy. <laughs> so almost like um like. So you're gluing like Master Rudy. Blaster, kinda. Yeah, but you're gluing Ru- Rudy's Rudy chest. Reyes run Border Town. You're gluing Rudy's chest to Texas back, and we let him sit there for like ten minutes till it dries, and then Rudy just backpedals real fast and pulls all of Texas back hair off, and it's stuck to his chest. 
Yeah, and then we glued Tex's chest to Rudy's back, and Rudy just carries Tex around the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. How it's am I great. An idiot? I'm in it. I love it. I think it's a great idea. So, Tex, where can these people go to contribute to the wax tax? Wax tax give dot classy dot org slash T E X for Tex. Enough about Texas body hair, even though we could go on and on and on and on about <laughs> so voluminous and off. You know, it, it, when I see him shirtless, he reminds me of a bison, which is so it's a almost great uh, transition. There's some irony with that one. Why with, is that, John? Uh, you know, because we have David Flutters on the podcast. David Fultz. Fultz. A.K.A. Chef Flutters, A.K.A. Uh, the dude. I just thought, really, he, I mean, I feel mm-hmm. wronged. Well, I mean, Flutters 77. That's how I know him. And so Flutters is the chef that came to the Power Athlete Symposium last year and cooked up. Did we ever get like a full count of how many tomahawks or like weight, weight uh, of meat? A million. It was over, over 200 pounds of food. Yeah. Crushed and it. He feared it would not be enough. Yeah. Which is what we found out because we're talking to Flutters today about farm to table and how all these donkey fucking food network, quote unquote, chefs are bastardizing the title. So let's get with it. and Let's talk to old Chef Flutters. What do you say? Let's rock it. Go. So for those of us that don't know, uh, give us a little background on, I mean, I know how we know you, but like, can you give the, uh, the audience, the listeners at home a little background on who you are and more importantly, what you're doing in a van yeah, down by the river? Your perspective, because if we go on and on, it's going to be mostly Bieber trivia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, my name is David Foltz and uh, I'm a chef. I've been in the cooking world now for about probably 11 years, I'd say five of that professionally the other the first the first beginning of that was um me just figuring out how to work i was a dishwasher uh culinary school dropout i'm proud of that one because you don't need culinary school um it's a trade and you have to learn it like it's just kind of one just it's not really talked about because the old ways are kind of they're kind of leaving but i came into a kitchen when when cooks and and chefs were super like on your ass about getting shit done and if they didn't like you they just fucking threw your knives in the trash can and told you to fucking pack sand and uh i'm like one of the dying breeds of kind of like that that echelon but so i was in the military um i don't really talk about it too much because i don't it's not for me it was a stepping stone into the world that I'm in now, I guess. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have a mission when I exited the military. Um, I didn't do anything special. I was a grunt. I fucking love machine guns because that was the fucking greatest job I ever had. Uh, but, you know, I did, my th- I did my thing in the military and then I got out and I kind of didn't have a, a mission when I got out. I guess that's what they say it is now. I just call it like drug rehab because like many things, they just freaking feed you enough drugs and alcohol till you can't feel yourself anymore. Um, so I kind of did that, found myself in a real fucked up place. And then I just started my mom, like, let me take it back. So I'm at my mom's house cause I was living there after the military and my mom's watching a chef on TV and she's like, maybe you should try that cause he's an asshole and you're an asshole. So I think you got a thing there. Like your mom and my mom are friends. <laughs> Probably are. You never yeah. know, mom. Yeah. She's like, you're an asshole. I'm like, oh, huh, that's good. Yeah. Thanks. I, I worked. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Fuck. Thanks for loving me. Yeah. Huh? Tough yeah. love. And, yeah, I did that. And then, uh, so I tried the culinary school thing. Um, they, I had a mentor there. He was a French chef and he realized 
he was in the French military and he kind of picked up where I was coming from. And he's like, you're not very good at school. He's like, you should, you should just get a job. Like you should just find a job cooking or like dishwashing, but you need to go find a job because this is not your thing. And he's like, and it's okay. Like you're just, you, you don't need this shit. And I was like, okay. So I went and did that and I just washed dishes at um, as many restaurants would let me wash dishes. Uh, I ended up working for, uh, his name is Brian Malarkey. And he's like a really big restaurateur uh, in San Diego. And then, and then on Food Network and stuff. Then I worked for him and that segued into opening a restaurant with Chad White. I was his dishwasher when he opened that restaurant. And then I just needed to work because I needed to get to know things because I was, I was 28 at the time. And I was really behind the curve on that because all the cooks just get younger. Um, so I just kept doing like kitchen mercenary work. And he took me under his wing, he ended up taking me into Mexico. And because of Mexico, I worked, they're all famous chefs now uh, in Ensenada. It's called Valle Guadalupe. And we're, Chad was taking me into those places in that part of Mexico. And I was cooking and learning and just hanging out with him and just taking in the culture before it was like the fad thing. I mean, this is in like 2010, I want to say. Um, came back. I helped him. I ended up meeting another chef named Hannes Cabin, and he was like the pig master of San Diego. He owns uh, it's called Carnita Snack Shack. Um, and I think his new restaurant is called The Pioneer. And it's just these are all old school chefs, you know. Like it, it, it went from like um, urban casual to semi fine dining to fine dining Mexican cuisine to like whole hog cooking. And that's really what, like, he was allowing me to expand my knowledge in food. And then from there, I ended up working for another chef named Joel Cavan, who had a acre farm in a corporate setting. And that's where I really started to, like, learn about farming and kind of, like, where I am now, where it's literally farm to table, where we're trying to get every single thing used from all animal to vegetable waste to even what restaurants are doing now as far as like what they're doing with food waste like, and we're trying to figure out ways that if i mean pigs are just fucking living dumpsters and so we're trying to figure out if there's a way that these pigs can actually eat some of this used up food and actually make their meat better and when we actually break them down and serve it to the public but you know everyone you do some shit like that and everyone's freaking the fuck out because they think it's all fucking gross but anyways you know that uh <laughs> And then, so I was working with them and then I found myself working for a chef at Food Network and I opened a couple of restaurants with him. Um, I was his like right-hand man for, for about a couple of years, I'd say. And then while I was working with him, we kind of had a falling out and then I just traveled around New York working in all these kitchens. And there I really learned like work ethic in a kitchen and like New York, I like, I thank New York for the work ethic in a kitchen that it gave me because it's fucking merciless and hardcore. And if you can't fucking hack it, get the fuck out and go fucking live a nine to five life. No one wants you here. And like, I really, I really dug that shit and it was fucking cool. So and so I stuck with that. What type of restaurants were you working on or working in, in New York? Uh, so it was per se in 11 Madison park. So I was there, it's called a stage where you basically work for free. Um, you just kind of like you work for free and then if they want to like you, then they'll pay you minimum wage and you'll just keep earning it. I mean, there's dudes that have been at those restaurants for a year 
and haven't fucking earned a paycheck yet. They just got to make oh. it work. So two, three jobs, you know, fucking doing what you got to do to make it. It's survival. Survival of the fittest in the kitchen. You know, and and then uh, so I, I did that. And then uh, some chefs from Baja ended up working in New York. And I came and covered down with them and ended up cooking at the James Beard House with them, which is uh, in the culinary world, it's like, it's pretty much like going to the Super Bowl. It's a super small house that's was probably built in the 1700s, but James Beard just had all invited all these chefs to come to his house and cook. And it turned out to this big orchestra of where if you're the headlining chef, you donate how much you think your plate is going to be worth. And they put out their courses. It's usually depending on what the chef is, you could, you're looking at like six to 14 courses with your staff in a very small confined environment. It was, it was pretty, it was, it was definitely a, like checking the box for me. Cause I mean, not too many people get to do that. And I was super fortunate to have, his name was uh, Drew Deck. Um, he brought me on as his team and we just, that night we fucking kicked ass and I got to check that culinary box. And now the next goal for me would be to make my own name and have the James Beard actually want me to come out and cook for them. That's, that's probably years down the line. Um, but then I came back to San Diego again, and that's probably, uh, 12, probably something like that. And then I opened up some more restaurants in San Diego with another chef. Um, it was, his name's Jojo. I, don't, I just know it was Jojo, but he, we opened up a place called Lionfish and I was running an oyster bar there. And then after that, went out to Napa and I was out in Napa just doing the same thing at a restaurant called French Laundry. Um, yeah. 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 I've been to Alice that's Walker's like, place too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. French Laundry and Chez Panisse. Too bad. Yeah, like those are those are big time those are big time kitchens, you know. Uh, Lebec Finn was was in Philly. We went to which was like the other oh, one. Really? So like Lebec Finn, French Laundry, and uh, um, Chez Panisse are like considered what like the three best French restaurants. Um, I think Lebec Finn's closed now, but I remember yeah. at the time I'd been to all three of those, and that was like a huge deal. Like they competed, and uh, yeah. It was uh, it was like fourteen courses, and I remember leaving there, and I was tired, not full. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's what happens. <laughs> uh, French Laundry was cool. Their wine list—I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's insane. And uh, Chez Panisse, which is in Berkeley, is a pretty cool spot too. Yeah, oh, I could only imagine. I didn't make it there, but that's like you know, that's like going to the Holy Land. You know, like that's the mecca. That's where that's where a lot of things started. I mean, I'm, hopefully, I get there one day to actually eat and test it. You know, well, what's uh, cool it's kind of like uh, the Holy Grail. Well, she, uh, uh, Alice Waters Place, uh, everything that they serve is grown in her garden. So she grows yeah. everything. Like everything is like, I mean, that she was the original farm to table. I remember when uh, I went, went there, they like, like all of this is grown locally. And I'm like, locally, they're like, no, literally she has land and like grows everything. And we go out and collect. It was, it was epic, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like Marco Pierre White, for those of you who don't, it, first of all, let me segue, let me make this very clear to people. If you don't know who Marco Pierre White is and you call yourself a chef or a cook or whatever you want to call yourself, stop listening to this shit because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about because that's fucking culinary god. Like, he is I've never the heard of fucking him. man. I've never heard of him. God damn it, John! Well, uh, so we got to stop listening. Yeah, we got to stop listening. call ourselves chefs. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, I, I'd like to refer to myself as uh, somebody who either undercook or overcook meat. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I tend to undercook it more than I overcook it. But when I overcook it, these guys remember. Yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you remember the one time you overcooked the meat? I'm like, hey, dude, uh, we plated it. You didn't eat for an hour. It tended to overcook. That's usually my life. <laughs> like, hey, man, remember the one time we bought those really badass steaks and you overcooked it? Yeah, totally that's exactly that. how they work. Hey, <laughs> hey, do you remember when you had us over for dinner and I complained about it? Yeah, that one. That was good. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for Dude, uh, like never holding back. <laughs> so last year at the Power Athlete Symposium, uh, Flutters rolled out with the guys from State Classy, and they showed up with like what was it like fifty, like forty ounce Kobe tomahawks, which is the official. Uh, steak for power athlete and then um, awesome uh, dude and then I bought this monster cowboy cauldron and dude flutters came out and rocked it and the the best part is you're like hey is it okay if I use that thing I'm like yeah I bought this fucking thing for this party (laughs) he's like oh well I you know I I didn't want to you know like uh, I just didn't want to assume I'm like fucking fire that thing up dude I haven't even used it so what a way oh to break that God. thing in. Dude, Flutters. God, so great. so we know our version of the story. Like, what it, what was it like on the other end of this thing, getting it planned and organized for last year's dinner? You know, it was uh, it was good. I actually was worried that I wasn't going to have enough meat. And oh, it was kind of, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I remember telling the guys before, I was like, man, I don't think we're having enough fucking meat. <laughs> and they're like, dude, we'll be fine. And I was like, and then when I saw like the spread, I was like, I felt a lot better. Um but it was uh, it was good to get to know all the different personalities and like the different people because that was like a new world because I'm I'm from like cooking for athletes in my way was like cooking for my boy Josh Bridges and then like some NFL and Major League Baseball guys and so meeting everyone I was like oh man I, I knew in my head that you guys were gonna be able to put down some fucking meat because I had researched what it was and it's like oh, I had some big stouty motherfuckers coming to eat this shit. <laughs> And then that's why we wanted those tomahawks, it was, those bison tomahawks. Yeah, those fucking things were massive. And I was really worried that we didn't have enough of them. Oh, dude, it was um, fucking awesome. Like, and yeah. talk about the spread. I think we got some pictures of it. Like, yeah. we, we had a pho- photograph, photographer shit. Photographer there taking some pictures. And like, we should pull that shit up and post some of that shit. Because uh, it's, it's oh, yeah. fucking, yeah. like, well, and, and, epic and, proportions. And, and what's so cool is, like, you know, when you had everything on that uh, big-ass uh, uh, cowboy cauldron. And the funny part is I hit up cowboy cauldron and tried to get them to donate it. And they were, like, not even <laughs> hearing it. They were, like, no, no, no. And then when I, like, hit him on the picture, like, I sent the guy the picture. And the guy's like, oh, hey, can you send us all that media? I'm like, no. Go fuck yourself <laughs> basically that's what i said i'm like dude we had no. the most epic time dude there was like all these fucking world-class people here here and like you guys fucking big time to me i'm like dude you could have been a fucking sponsor at this thing fucking way to be short-sighted motherfuckers and yeah, like, oh, no well, we get man, hit up all the time i'm like well go fuck yourselves <laughs> but i still paid for it and it's still epic and i use it all the time oh my god that thing is so when you told me i could use that seriously i seriously did get like a chub and i was like is, uh, and you're like you got oak we were using oak cut down from trees on the property. I'm like, dude, I've been drying oak out here for like six months, dude. I got a whole pile of oak out here for, next, for this year. Dude. Oh yeah. We're, we're definitely. So like my next project where I'm, I don't know if it's going to happen yet, but my goal this year is to either bring a quarter section of a bison or a quarter cow from one of those farmers that we're working with out here. Um, her, like I, I we just got the bar was set. And now I just got to figure out how to raise it yeah. at this year's symposium. So I just don't know. I just don't know how to do it. So I've been doing a lot of whole animal butchering mm-hmm. here since I've been here because I want to be able to break down an entire animal and be like, like, this is going to feed all of us. Like, 
Welcome to the fun, everybody. That sounds fucking awesome, dude. Well, we haven't seen any pigs lately, but uh, I got about five big bucks that show up every night. So it'd be cool if we could mm. kind of time something up where, uh, you know, we take an animal off the property and then be able to have flutters out here just to not only quarter it and cut it up, but if I can cook it on the spot, that would be epic. Dude. Yeah, that would be that would be rad, man. And I think it's like with Stay Classy, that's that's the direction that we're going in with people is uh, like, uh, you know, in California, like like Southern California. And probably Southern California or any big city, there's a, a lot of that stuff doesn't, a lot of people don't see that anymore. That whole, you know, utilization of farm and animal and circle of life, you know, mm-hmm. they just see it as like black and white. And that's really, we're trying to figure out our voice and conversation and spreading that to everybody. Dude, people in and, California have no concept, man. Like, uh, I think about, geez, it would have to be almost six months ago, I shot a pig. Uh, at like maybe midnight, 1 a.m. Because uh, I got cam set up and he was out there. I shot him. I hooked mm-hmm. him up, uh, threw him in the back of the side side or side by side and drove him out to the back side. pasture. Sorry, the baby calls it side side. <laughs> and uh, I dumped it uh, like in the back pasture where I can see like through the trees. And I know exactly like where I was watching and I dumped it at like midnight, 1 a.m. And then the next was it the next day that night before before it got dark so it wasn't even out there what like 18 hours i took the kids out there and we couldn't even find it all we found was some hair and some scattered like jaw bones so literally like and it was probably a 250 pound pig got demolished in less than 24 hours out here i'm just telling you man like vultures everything showed up to eat i mean everything crushed it and that's why i say dude texas is a savage place man like in California, dude, back. people have no concept of the shit that goes down in this place. Yeah, and that's, you know, I now that I'm out here in Montana, when I tell people I'm from Cali, you know, they kind of, like, give me the side eye because they're like, right. oh, you, you okay to climb up the mountain? You all right? You've never seen a bear? I'm like, fuck off, bitch. I know what the fucking world is. Jesus Christ. It's a fucking <laughs> mountain. Like, yes, there's wild animals. They'll fucking kill you if you act like a stupid fuck. Maybe well, dude, I just want to pull some revenant shit and fight a bear and die. Dude, Maybe there's that's this my whole goal. thing, man. Like, we, we run out of two. Like, yesterday we had a meeting with a guy who's like, oh, you guys are from California? And instantly, as if we're, like, from some foreign fucking world. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. foreign world. Like we're like fucking yeah, we, Mars. <laughs> yeah, like we live in Disneyland and, like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not going to hold it against you guys. You're from California. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, and, thanks, dude. Yeah, it's just unreal. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, you know, one of these days will be real Texans. All of us, right, Tex? All of us, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been giving Tex a yeah. bad time about that. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but but right now, so like, and, and going back to your question, my brother, you know, or what you were saying, yeah, so say Classy, we're working, we're trying to get, our biggest goal right now with why I'm here is that we're trying to work with single source, single ranch meat. So our first one that we were talking to, this, this girl has 20,000 acres out here. And... She is a, like, I left her ranch just like scrambled eggs in my brain because she broke down the meat industry so in detail and in depth that it was just like, I'm, I'm in over my head with the information that just passed me because it's so in, it's so intricate as to what's really going on. And, and that's where I think the entire country is not seeing the reality of what, like what the front line is because there's a lot of a lot of things going on out here that just people are not aware of and it's on a, a scale that is immeasurable to the human like the normal peasants of the world like i'm just like 
give Holy us an example. Like, like, what don't we know? Like, what's in the know? Because I like to think we're There's, in the know, but like, we're, you know. You think you know, as, but you have no idea. Dude, break me off, split my wig. There's So right now, what she's doing, there's certain vaccines that these ladies are doing to their pigs or to their cows that can only be done a certain way to prove that it's an actually, like, it's still going to be a non-GMO uh, vaccine-free cow. And, like, they de-stress their cows by keeping the mom and them held in a separate pen before releasing them into a herd. So if they come, so let's say that a, a government agency comes and wants to see this and inspect their animals, they have paperwork showing the exact details of where they put in a certain vaccine at date and time so that they can actually check the box and be like, okay, your animals are good. And they can still have these different um like tags on their meat when they sell their meat to other buyers and processors. Um, but like the way that cattle is being like uh, shopped and sold, they're completely against that. So what they do is they're like, if you get a, a, a lame calf, what they're doing is instead of just like throwing, just leaving it there to die, they're actually finding like another mom cow that lost something out in the wild and pairing it to see if it's actually going to take before they actually just get rid of the calf. And then on top of that, she has a processor where she's making her own feed for the cows when they come in. So they're, they're out in the wild, they come in, and she's finishing them off with her own blend of grains and soys and barleys. And it's her own rationale. So it's not just alfalfa, you know, which is great for them, but she thinks that there's more. And she's trying to create this all-encompassing one one unified fucking thing for her animals alone. So everybody can look on that. So if you have a small herd of 200, she wants to be able to go to them and be like, Hey, this is how we keep the big eye in the sky away from us. And it's by doing this and it's all cataloged and regimented. And it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. A lot of fucking like administrative paperwork type shit. I saw an interesting statistic. Yeah. Uh, they said it's McDonald's like- feeds 65 million people a day. And this guy was like, if McDonald's feeds 65 million people a day and he went through and he talked about like a world kind of a production of meat in a given day, his like his comment was like, it's not all meat. There's no there's no physical way that we have enough production to be able to just handle McDonald's. But they're not all eating no. fucking burgers. No, but, but they're the in there like a lot of people go there for salads or filet of fish. Filet of fish. Well, Mostly, yeah. Wellborn gets a, is like a double filet of fish guy. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Dude, but if you think about, but like that's a good point, man. But, and like I've been preaching this for a while, but like think about that. That's a lot of. I mean, that's a lot of people, and there isn't enough meat on this fucking planet to feed all of those people. There's not enough fish. Yeah. There's not enough fucking. Well, so Chicken. we've kind of fucked ourselves, I mean, by, you know, advances, you know, within, you know, medicine and people living longer and healthier and this. I mean, we are effectively going to reach. And I think uh, uh, Peter Ballerstead, we talked about this on our podcast with him. We're reaching this point at which uh, we have to look and say, OK, how like what is the most beneficial way to maximize calories per square mile on this planet? And he went through it and like, and like laid it out and said, okay, hey, if, if this is what our population expe- expectation is, this is how many calories you need to feed this population based off the given land. And, you know, he calculated out calories per acre with available land out there. Even if we converted everything over to an agrarian co- uh, economy and we all went vegetarian, there wouldn't be enough calories to feed us. So the only way you're going to feed the populations is based off of, uh, uh, you know, calories per 
acre through the production of rudiments? Rudiments. 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 <laughs> so just yeah, quick that's... Google, tw- average number of hamburgers sold at McDonald's per minute globally. Any guesses? 20 million. Per minute. 20 million. Per minute? Yeah. 12 million. 75 hamburgers per minute. So seventy. So, uh, so sixty minutes, seventy-five would be. No one can do this math. It's impossible. Okay, we'll calculate. It. <laughs> All right, hang on. I'll use calculator. So we get a calculator. Uh, it's going to be forty-five thousand. That's insane, dude. So forty-five. I mean, so so forty-five thousand an hour. Or is he's using an abacus, people? <laughs> four thousand five hundred yeah, per I'm, hour. I'm sorry, forty-five hundred. What did I say? Forty-five thousand. So yeah, forty-five hundred decibel. Ten hours. You're not wrong. 108,000 per day. Burgers. Is that track? Yeah. Holy shit. It's a lot Damn. of fucking hamburgers. And then and then let's, yeah. let's say the average burger is four ounces. Yeah. I'd say four ounces. about right. I, I did see an ad where it said quarter pounder now with real beef or something like that. <laughs> did you hear what uh, I did? Did you see how there was like a whole deal with like the quarter pounder versus the third? So there was a deal no. with uh, Wendy's where they came out and they were, uh, um, you know, McDonald's was selling their quarter pounders and Wendy's was like, we're going to one up them and we're going to tell them that our burgers are a third instead of, the, you know, like what I, I forgot, like, hey, uh, instead of a quarter pound of meat, we're a third of meat. The problem was people thought that a third was less than a quarter oh, because no. the three was less than the four. So they were like, oh, no, we want the bigger burger. We want the quarter pounder. Royale with cheese. And I remember like reading that whole thing and being like, wow, the American people. Sharp. 40 million uh, hamburgers a year. So they sell 40 million hamburgers a year. That's fucking nuts to me, man. That shit's fucking nuts. You know what's funny? So like I don't know what what compelled me to be this like weird advocate for fucking real food or just I don't know, farmer, cook guy. But I think it's uh it's evolution. I mean, I think after you you know sorry. Um I think after you get into the training space and you kind of get into this uh you know global awareness of seeing what's around you and realizing that uh being able to understand, maintain and monitor and have like some level of uh understanding of the food that you're not only consuming but how you're cooking it and how you're delivering it, I think it's just a higher level of consciousness. You're just not yeah. fucking calling somebody on the phone and delivering things, but you're actually invested in like, here are the meat, you know, this is where it comes from. This is how I'm preparing it. And uh, this is how I'm delivering it to my family. And for me, it was big, you know, not only when I played in the NFL, but when I had kids and a wife, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like, I want to know what my, what's going into my kids' stuff. I want to know what they're eating. I mean, there's a reason my wife gets up early and makes the kids you know, lunches because uh, they're not going to eat fucking school lunches because I know how bad those things are. I mean, when I was a kid, what yeah. were they, like Taco Chalupa and uh, fucking McNuggets? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you had awful. enough money, you ate. If you had enough money, you had those little Pizza Hut personal pan pizzas. Well, dude, and, and then the crazy part is I get an email every week from my kid's school that says uh, uh, we have a zero balance for school lunches. So they're like, oh, your balance is zero. You need to add money. And my comment is like, well, they don't eat school lunches. But like, this is like a big thing. Like they, you know, I I got this whole thing about how uh, two thirds of all kids that show up to school in America show up hungry, which I think is shock value. I think that's bullshit. But uh, those are the statistics, man. And then if you if you look at the school lunches and it's like a straight up mob organization of the people that actually produce the school lunches. We can't even figure out and get to the word, get to the bottom with who the company is that produces them and how it's put together. All I know is pizza is classified as a vegetable. 
So <laughs> that was a pretty interesting one. Oh, there's a certain Eat amount of veggies. veggies. It's pizza. And, um, but man, it's, uh, I, I think just as you get into this and whether, you know, it's a training space, fitness, health, whatever it looks like, I think you just start trying to understand more and more aspects. Like, like, you know, what am I doing for my training? Where am I training? What am I, you know, supplements, food, you know, you kind of look at all these different factors. And I think food is just a natural one, man. People are at a point, or at least we are, where we want to know where it's coming from. And I want to know that the stuff that I'm eating is my best option. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, and I think that's kind of why we connected with Stay Classy. And it's just been such a great message and such an epic deal. Because, I mean, here's a situation where these farmers uh, or ranchers, rather, are kind of taking it a step back and saying, hey, you know, and the guy presented at our symposium uh, at the dinner talking about, you know, how they, uh, you know, how the meat is raised, how it's, uh, you know, how it goes through its life, how it's, uh, you know, taken to, uh, to processing and like the whole package and being able to follow it along is really solid. Yeah, it, and I think I, you'll see that when you guys come out here and we escort, like, and we take you around and see all this, and you'll meet, you'll meet the lady that runs uh, the the twenty thousand acre farm. You'll meet her and and really see like the like the grandioso of of her life. But you know, when I when I stepped into the fitness world, I kind of had the same. I came in as a chef. I didn't come in as someone that was trying to be a nutritionist or like a life coach or a health coach came as a chef. And I was like, I cooked farm to table. So there's the farm, there's the vegetables. Now I just got to find clean chicken or clean beef or whatever for everyone. And that's where really like my eyes started to open. And I had a lot of, I had a lot of like conflicting interests with, with when I was doing all that, when I was in the meal prep space, because everyone has a, they have a certain idea of what they think that is. And I, and, and I don't follow that doctrine because it's fucking bullshit. Or at least, at least in my eyes from a chef, I'm like, well, guess what? I can't get broccoli. Like, yes, broccoli may be a year round thing, but like you're shopping for broccoli at Costco and I'm shopping for broccoli from Melissa, the hippie farmer in, you know, Arizona. And she's the one that she's like, Oh, well I just have this much and that's all I'm going to have for this. And so I'm like, okay. And then when I start and like, I'm like, I basically just came to the conclusion of with all my athletes was like, you do your job. I'm going to do my job. And I promise you something good is going to happen. And getting people to see that and trust that process was really difficult. It was a hard thing to do. And people, because people think you're supposed to be like, you know, chicken, broccoli, macros or paleo or, and the worst thing that really irks my soul is when they ask me about a menu because I'm like, no Dude, do you ask menu. your mom for a menu? No, you just sit down at the table and you eat. Like yeah. I remember my mom never asked us, so what do you guys want? And it was just basically you sit down. Some days you got goulash. Other days we got hamburgers. Great. Have you ever been to Flora Farms uh, in, uh, in San Jose? Like down near no. Flora Farms? So Flora I'm Farms. Do you, do you know what it is, though? No. Okay, so Flora Farms is a farm-to-table place. It's down, like, uh, outside of Cabo, like, towards San Jose up in the hills. And okay. it's, uh, uh, everything's growing on, like, uh, about five acres. And they have yeah. tables, like, big open tables. And literally, like, as you're coming in, you see all the animals. Uh, they have ponds. They grow everything there. They even make their own moonshine, which got Uncle Steve-O in trouble. And, uh, 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 yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, dude, it's epic. And you sit down at these big tables and like, I think they bring you like a menu that maybe has two or three items. It's either like a, uh, you know, a meat or a fish. And, uh, I think they have a veggie option or something, dude, but like that type of thing, man. And I always wondered why something like that couldn't exist 
uh, you know, here in the, in the States. Like, I mean, it was, it's one of the coolest things that we've ever, like I've ever been to. Um, and just, you know, is, is there ever a chance that we could see something like that here? I think there, there are steps and I think it's the younger generation that's coming up. They're definitely making a push to have that. It's just like with anything, if you start a farm and you want to do that, you have to start the farm first, build up your, your equity and then try to bring in a chef. But it's like match. It's like one of the two evils. You need to find a chef that's really good and knows what they're doing. That'll take a pay cut or you get an investor and they come in with their money and then they open up the restaurant for you and they just get it running on the property. But then, you know, that's, it all segues into so many different things, but there's a push to have that. I just think most people think it's a novelty or a niche. So like, um, for me, I was trying to open up like, so basically think of this, if I was working with power athlete, I was trying, my idea is to have your people come and do exactly what they're doing. Only I have a farm and I immerse them in the culture of food. Because a lot of athletes, I mean, I'm sure there's a percentage that know like what's going on, but then a majority of them don't because they're so, I think that the way food is being preached to them, they're confused by it because they think a lot of athletes think it comes in a meal prep container. They don't see the actual start process of the food because these people that do meal prep, they don't, they don't know where to look. They don't know what to do. They go to third party sources to get their stuff. And then it goes into a, then it gets kicked off and is they don't have a talent or a skill to cook because they're, they just got into it out of money. Then they're just, they're just getting by and they're just serving overcooked shit food. But for me, I'm, I'm like a person that's like the special forces of the military world. Please nobody get offended by that. I'm just using it as a reference, but I go in, I start to grow food and I start to like start a garden and then, you guys come and you see what's growing and what's in season, what animals are running around the property. Why is this ecosystem the way it is? Like then, then we're really talking about health because that stuff keeps you out of the doctor's office. That stuff is, is what brings you. It's, it's you and mother earth and it's bringing food for the soul. And it's also keeping you out of many, 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 many different like health problems that you may occur. I mean, we know now that if that nature's collagen comes from several different animal parts and we don't even use that anymore and even in a powdered form it's still not as good for you and uh, here, i disagree man i like to eat ribs and i always try to chew all that extra like anything extra on the bone like it's big oh no that's just good well no i'm but talking I, about like most normal like if people. i get you to the source yeah yeah well no, to I'm, most normal people it's it's powder and i'm like i mean it's cool but when they say it's grass-fed beef like are you most most people that get their bones out of California that say that they're grass-fed beef are just dairy cows. Yeah. And then, they, then they'll say, so now they're changed. So it went from grass-fed, and that was it. Now it's grass-fed, grass-finished. And now it's grain-finished because they're learning, the industry is learning these different fad words, and they're selling the fad words to people because they don't know no different. As we're out here, what we're doing is we're like, no, 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 this is just the way they live. This is their life. That this is it's different in the summer to the winter, spring, and fall because of the diets that the animals are having. Yeah, but also, and, I mean, buffalo, uh, and I know state class is big with the buffalo, which I'm a huge fan of. I prefer buffalo over anything. Uh, are much more hardy. I mean, the problem is is that 
uh, we've selected cows, which aren't nearly as, uh, as hardy and like, you know, rough and tumble. I mean, dude, uh, yeah. Buffalo, like you just basically just put them out there and they survive. <laughs> yeah. And, they and they're do fucking, their thing. Dude. Uh, so when I, um, I did something and I forgot what I was in Utah for, but for work. And I remember we went out to this big ranch and there was like hundreds of Buffalo and they were just literally just all kind of laying on this massive fucking pile of shit. And I was like, <laughs> what are they doing? And they're like, it's warm. They just fucking hang out on it. And I was like, do you guys do anything? They're like, no, we just leave them out there. They fucking eat. And uh, when we need them, we just go out and slaughter them. I'm like, really? He's like, dude, we don't do anything to them. They just, he goes, you can't kill them. He goes, the only way they're going to yeah. die is if they run out in the street and they hit them and they're probably going to fuck the car up and be fine. They are like by far yeah. the most hardy animals. They were like, cows get sick. You got to do this. They have all these problems. They can eat too much. And if they overeat too fast, they get like this gas and they, um, uh, ass. I mean, like went through all these problems. They're like, buffalo, indestructible. I'm like, I like buffalo. <laughs> yeah dude their bones are huge bro they're like dinosaur bones like yeah. their femurs are like oh and i think there was like 50 million head of buffalo in this country at one point i think or yeah. even more you know before we i think it was like 10 out of like or was it, it was some crazy number like 10 bison every one man or well, something uh, at one point uh the guy who came to the symposium uh the dude with the hat uh i want to say it was steve was it steve does that make sense or am i thinking of somebody mm. else who is the who is the old? Dude? Oh yeah, Bison Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah, he told me, and I think he said like, I thought he said between fifty and sixty-five million head of uh, uh, buffalo were in this country when you know uh, when we came across the plains. Yeah, uh, I, it had to have been some great number. I mean, like when you look at the old pictures and you see the the skull stacked up in the yeah. pyramids, like you're like Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, Bison Steve is like one of the foremost experts in like bison ranching in the country. It's funny. That dude's got a lot of knowledge. I wish he drank though. It'd be fun to get like pissed drunk with him and like listen to him just <laughs> ramble on about some dope like fucking drug and bison stories or Back some in shit. The day. Or, like, yeah. <laughs> we should get a sweat lodge. <laughs> there was a TP. There was a TP, a bottle of whiskey, and a bison. We didn't know what to do. So we uh, smoked on it. <laughs> I, I didn't know that he uh he wasn't drinking at the symposium. Probably because there was none left over. Yeah. So yeah. Bunch of yeah, no, he's he is he's missing his right index finger wow and i'm like and when you have those kind of like scars it's kind of like when you look at a dude in the military and you're like damn that's a bad motherfucker <laughs> i don't even want to look at him <laughs> like see he's kind of like you look at the scars on people sometimes where they're missing like certain fingers on their hand and you're like huh that's interesting like a missing mm -hmm. pinky or like an index finger. you're like yeah what oh. do i gotta do to ask about that like how long do i gotta be around how do you endear yourself how much do you gotta drink uh no i think when he goes to shake your hand you're like holy shit you're missing your pain your finger there, there must be a great story or so to that one you can barely notice <laughs> yeah it's gotta be gotta be <laughs> uh you'll i'm pretty sure you'll, you'll see him again when you come out here because we're gonna go up in that area and yep. where his land is up by the national bison reserve so which is amazing on on like just a fall day and you stand out there and you see all these herds of elk just bugling. It's just, I don't know. It's just primitive, super, super rad. No, uh, oh. my mom's from Lethbridge, which is uh, just across, uh, you know, on the Canadian border. And so we used to go up to uh, uh, Missoula and, and Bozeman and we'd always go to a little town called, you know, Whitefish, Montana uh, every yep. year for our family reunion. So that was like a big deal for us. So I've spent a bunch of time up there. And uh, I remember when we were looking around at different places to, to uh, potentially move. I like send it to my wife and my wife's like, I don't really like cold weather. And now that it's like a hundred degrees every day, I'm like, Montana would have been pretty nice. She's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. I, Dude, I'm it like, was 85 and people were tripping. They were uh, like, it's so hot. 
I, uh, I told her, I was like, man, if we could ever have a second place to go, I would love to go to Montana in the summer and at least get away from this godforsaken place because this place in the summer <laughs> is fucking hot. I mean, Tex, yeah, you, like, you, you've lived in D.C., you know, Chicago. You guys have been, I mean, I've lived all over Kansas City. But, like, for some reason, this summer in Texas was fucking brutal. It's that dry heat. I personally thrive in humidity from Houston <laughs> to D.C., but this Why is that? I don't, just, I don't know. I don't know. You love it. <laughs> you just fucking deal with it. Sweat. I'm just saying. Yeah. Salt. It was fucking hot this year. <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, it, I just like. In the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was. That's why I wasn't down here that much. Oh, we know. You're like, it, are you sitting up in the house on your computer? I'm all go fuck yourselves. It's hot in here. Don't worry. We're going to get AC. <laughs> you guys, just so you guys know. Classy. Fuck you. I'm in the office. Exactly. <laughs> so, Floaters, yeah. I mean, dude, you're you're switched on in this world. It's got to be a fucking pain for you to like travel around and dine out, or are you just like, can you turn it on and off? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good about it. I think uh, the only thing that I really like, I'm not a big person. Like, I'm just like a home cooked meal type of person. Mm-hmm. So it don't matter if it's someone that's blind or has a pirate hook. I, if they make good food and it's and it's in their kitchen, I'll sit down and just be a happy little camper. Now, if if we were all to go out to a really nice restaurant and like try to have a nice dinner or business meeting or whatever and the service sucks i get really fucking pissed and i get really butthurt about that and it's not that i'm like anyone that's special that just like like my palate's not like i'm not like Ugh, fuck this food i know mean, i'm just like if you go to if you're gonna pay 60 dollars a person this shit had better be on tight because that's what i would expect from my staff there mm-hmm. And that's just, I think that's just like a lapse in leadership. Or if that person just doesn't give a fuck, then just be like, fuck you, man. Like, bring the fucking server that's going to take care of us. Like, does one of these motherfuckers need to throw a platinum credit card on this fucking table to, like, get some shit done around here or what? Um, but as far as food goes, man, I just, do you make, it, good food is good food. I mean, you know, when you travel to the Far East, have for the best food you'll eat is on the side of a road, like, in a rice paddy somewhere, you know, and here, there's so many different restaurants, and it's just like... Dude, you've traveled, hey, uh, you've been all over the U.S. Uh, would you say New York is hands down the best food culture in the United States? I mean, because I'll, I'll tell you this, man. Like, uh, when I lived in Philly, we go up to yeah. New York all the time, and uh, I swear we ate at different restaurants every single time I went there. Never ate at the same place twice, and every place we went was different and, like, knocked your socks off. I remember, yeah. like, going into, like, little places that had four tables for sp- something specific, and like, hey, you got to go to this place and you go in and like uh, just like the most unbelievable stuff. I, I, dude, I've never in my life been to a place like New York where uh, I remember we were out like on a Monday night and it was like 3 a.m. And we were with some of the dudes to play with the Yankees and they're like, hey, we got to go to this place. And we went in and it was a legit like five star restaurant and they were seating people and f- at meals at 3 a.m. on a Monday yeah. night. Wow. And I would like we like I sat down, we got like steak. I'm like it's 3am on a Monday night. And like, <laughs> this is fucking unbelievable. Like here in te- like in where we live, if it's Saturday night at like eight o'clock, you're probably not going to be able to get much. It's like you got to be out of the house pretty quick, but just New York is that type of place, man. It just, um, I just wonder of all yeah. the places you've been, I mean, Miami, New York, San Francisco, uh, mm. LA, I mean, you know, Scottsdale, like, would you say New York is probably the best food culture in, in the country? Yeah, I'd say it's it's one of the most diverse. It, it definitely New York, freaking Frisco, probably Chicago. I mean, there's just so much diversity there. You know, like you can, like you said, in New York, you can go, like you go to Little Italy, and right next door to that is like what they consider Sicily. 
and you just and there's so many different styles of foods and markets and, you, and that's just the touch of it and then you go in a little you go to chinatown and you're just like oh fuck these guys only do such a sad set whatever that fucking word is i can't say it but they specialize in a dish not just one you go there and eat that one then you go on to the next one eating more food that's yeah that's it's mind-blowing to me that it's just that you can just always be on a continuum of finding good food i had a wonderful experience in madison wisconsin with farm to table david mck hooked us up with his buddy tory miller he mm. beat fillet bobby fillet on iron chef but that guy <laughs> yeah he would go out and tell us the story of the meats and the cheese everything they prep for us and one of the best steaks i've ever had in the world dude hell is that it, sounds isn't bomb it bobby shit. fillet bobby fillet you said bobby fillet what's the difference like like the steak <laughs> i mean yeah. is that a different guy no, I thought that was his name. Oh, Bobby Fillet. Yeah. Just, just so you know, all the little internet trolls are just gonna—they're just gonna talk shit to you now because you messed up one guy's name. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't leave it to the internet trolls. I got two guys right here. <laughs> yeah, we'll take care of that. <laughs> yeah, we got Don't it. you we fucking worry about it. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like all this. I mean, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I remember like growing up. If there was any type of cooking on TV, it was usually like Martha Stewart or uh, mm-hmm. who, who was the old lady? Like, hello, Julia Child. Yeah, Julia Child. <laughs> And now, and I remember my mom used to get like the James Beard books and like, you know, like my mom always got all that. Uh, Surprisingly, she never cooked any of it. Um, (laughs) Hopefully she's not listening to this. Uh, But the, uh, like the culture, uh, it seems to be with like the, uh, the food network and like so much more attention on it in the internet. It's, you know, has it really just taken it up a notch or has it always just kind of been there and we just haven't seen it? Mm, I, if anything, I think it's actually somewhat poisoned the mindset of people because they they so like when i was there they're basically they're introducing a way of life that isn't the chef life right there's restaurant chefs and then there's everybody else and like i call myself a chef but in reality at the end of the day it's a four-letter word that's all it is and everyone tries to put it on a pedestal and like say it's bigger than that and i'm like like, no, like if you earn the title of chef in a restaurant, like you earn that. And in Food Network, they just say like, they just basically say, everyone's a chef. You go to culinary school and you graduate and you're a chef. And then those kids come to a restaurant where like, for instance, I work at and they're like, they, they show me a resume. I'm like, that's really cool. But can you work the line? Like, what's your experience? Like, no, but I did culinary school. I was like, well, that's cool. I graduated high school too, but it doesn't make me smart. And, oh, well, like I was here to do, I want to have my hands on the menu. Like, if you touch the fucking menu, I'll cut your fucking hand off. How about that? Like, get in the dish pit, work your fucking ass off, and then we'll see where you want to be. Because, and then that's, and that's what it's done. I once met a girl, and I was at a bar drinking, and, and this sums it up. Is I was like, she's like, I'm a chef. And I was like, oh, really? Where are you chef at? What do you do? Like, just make a small talk. She's like, oh, well, I'm just an at-home chef. And I was like, oh, well, I worked in restaurants. She's like, oh, I can never do that. That's a, that's another lifestyle. I, I, just, I'm, I just got a job with Food Network as working their Twitter. And I was like, fuck you. First of all, fuck you. Like, how dare you fucking come in here and say that shit to me, dude? And like, it fucking sucks working in a kitchen. And these motherfuckers are missing birthdays and fucking holidays. And people are just shitting on cooks. And you got to walk in here and tell me you do Twitter for fucking Food Network? Like, go fuck yourself, dude. Like, that shit, that's what irks the fuck out of me because everyone wants to skip the process of cooking. They just want to, like, I went to culinary school. I know how to do everything. Like, no, you don't. Like, you haven't even skimmed the surface of cooking. So like, it takes 
years to develop a, a synopsis of what your actual style of cooking is. Like, like I didn't know that I was going to be a quote unquote farm to table or, um, what I do now. Like, I didn't know that I was, I was just cooking. So, and then what happens is like for me, um, like you had so when you leave and you go independent and you call yourself the chef and you're away from that restaurant world, you know, you're like, well, I'm chef and this is my identity. If you go in there without like your set or um, knowledge of food, an idea of food of your identity, you're basically just doing shittier or not shittier. You end up doing shitty renditions of what you learned in other restaurants. And that's like, and you're not doing yourself any service there. You're not, you're just basically just like, and you're just basically following a recipe or what you know in your head. And you're like, you know, short rib and grits or, you know, shrimp and grits. Like, that's cool. But that doesn't say anything about you or what you think in your food. It just means that you just cook shrimp and grits. There's nothing fucking wowing about that. You talked about, you talked about a lot of the mentors that you had in all the different kitchens. Did you ever get to cook for them to get their feedback to really help hone that voice? Uh, for one of them I did and he showed so Chad White was instrumental on allowing me to be expressive in my cooking and my ideas um, but it only they're not they're mentoring you they mentored me in a way of working in a kitchen and getting to the next step like if you work here and do this this will get you here it wasn't about they just put me in an environment where I would thrive in and that was in working the hotline you know and then after that it was up to me to take what they had given me and then find my way. And that's what I was able to do. And it just, it just so happened that it was learning about farming, but I had to go work in Napa and some of those like hardcore, like French dining places to learn that the hard way. Cause you know, it's a reality that you get fired from places cause you suck. And that's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I went there and there's, I just wasn't ready for it. I stepped into the cage with the big dogs and fucking got my ass beat and you know, and then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go try it somewhere else. And then I just got better, more skill set. And then I tell them, so they mentored me in like, not give up, but just like, yeah, man, like you're not ready. Cool. Just go somewhere else and then fucking keep building up what you got to do to get it in there. And like, all right. So Flutters, tell us guys like me who just fucking show up to a steakhouse, order like and get the food and it's lovely. And I, I'm aware of the, the front end of this process, the farming process, how animals are raised, things like that. But what is the explain the chaos in the kitchen? What what don't people understand or appreciate about what's going on behind closed doors to make those meals possible? Like lay it out for it's us. A gang. It's, it's a gang, man. You're a one percenter. You're a kitchen one percenter. Like you know, if you're not down for the cause, then get the fuck out. Like like I, you know, I don't want you here. <laughs> like if you're not if you're not willing to miss birthdays, holidays, your mom's birthday, your dad's funeral, just for the restaurant, then get the fuck out. Like nobody wants you here. And that's every restaurant. Like, I mean, that's not every restaurant. Like what kind of restaurants are you getting that type of love in your food? That's, that's the, that's like the 1%. Damn girl. That's the 1%. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's a, like that's, how- that's any restaurant. So that, that, that mentality can be in a burger shop. That mentality can be at your f- ultra fine dining at your French laundries. It doesn't matter. It's a mind. It's like the military. It's like a mindset you create for your team. And then they're fucking, if they want to ride with you and they want to be down for the cause, then be down. But it's up to the chef to set that precedence. Are you driving Should've around, dude? What are you doing? No. I'm sitting inside the food truck right now. Ah, okay. <laughs> we were getting ready to open up the the restaurant earlier, and I was trying to get a station set up. 
and then i was like oh shit what's <laughs> so uh what's on the menu like what's the uh what's the theme like what's the idea of the restaurant and kind of what are you guys getting rocking uh so right now it's just a deli it's it's a basically farm to table deli uh we got a chef in here her name's koi she's local to the area and she embodies the essence of farm to table she pickles everything makes her own bread makes her own everything is handmade here there's no there's no processed anything so if we can't make it get it grow it or buy it from a farmer then she doesn't fuck with it and we're just doing a simple deli right now to open to reopen this place and then it'll get more advanced and intricate as we go along um the food truck we're just using that as a as just a, a, another vessel to serve elk and bison some of these other products um but mostly it's for r&d for stay classy because we're working on uh we're working on some jerkies more pimmicans uh more catalogs of meat but for now the restaurant's just it's just a simple neighborhood deli and then we're gonna do some cool things there's a <laughs> there's a bar across the street and an elementary school across from that and all the moms come before they pick up their kids and hang out the bar so we're gonna start doing like white claw mondays or white claw wednesdays fucking mama mondays and just some bottomless most of sundays for them to come and chill <laughs> get drunk before they're they like, uh, go there's pick no up school cheese. on sunday why are you guys all in here well uh you know, we, we're getting ready <laughs> about that about that <laughs> nice. so it's fun it's it's an adventure that's for damn sure you know <laughs> but yeah it's it's different well cool we're getting through it you know and then it's definitely a radical change from being a private chef to, to this. And just We're all just adjusting to it and getting this shit off the ground. Well, I'll be stoked to see it here in a couple of weeks when we come visit. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's going to be rad. It's going to be so fun. Be a good time, man. Cool. Hell, yeah. Well, hey, Floaters, man, thanks for your time. It's it cool to hear what's going on behind the scenes. And fuck, I think a lot of shit that people take for granted, right, as they just go kick in the door and order a fucking burger or a steak right <laughs> or some chicken yeah said nobody ever but uh <laughs> no man I yeah. guess, so power athlete nation where, where, where do you want these guys to go follow you and see what you're up to you got you're on social you want them to check out what do you want them to check out uh so so right now my my instagram is flutter 77 and then the actual restaurant itself is montana provisions and at stay classy and that's where you can find us we do all that typical social media jazz every day. Um, see our lunch specials, dinner specials, what we got going on. Uh, start posting more about doing whole animal butchery and breaking that down for people to follow and actually try it at home. More recipes. People love recipes. I don't, I, which is crazy to me because I don't know how to make recipes because a lot of the chefs have all been instinctual. Yeah. <laughs> They've right. been like, Hey, I need a sauce. And you like, the force. Oh, That's yeah. what I call them. Use, Use your brain. Just throw shit. Cool. Well, thanks, amigo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dude, I'll be seeing you. And, uh, dude. Uh, thanks so much, man. See you. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. Got the girls shining, no oh, so bright. Got a pocket full of change for the toll I'm smoking. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Follow Chef Flutters on Instagram at Flutters77 and check out Stay Classy Meats under their handle as well. And a reminder to everyone about our hashtag Toes Forward campaign, which ends October 1st, so you still have a couple more days. Remember that Toes Forward is not just an athletic stance that we live by, although it is that. It is a symbol of readiness for whatever the future throws your way, including amazing events like the Power Athlete Symposium. If you've been dying to get tickets to the event, 
hold on to your britches, bitches. Not only can you win tickets, but you can be the recipient of so many more prizes, including a Soranex Kevlar sandbag, a Power.EMS EMS device, an Epic Bar survival kit, 12 pounds of Stay Classy Meats, a signed copy of Wired to Eat by Rob Wolf, six free months of Train Heroic training, a $100 gift card to the Good Athlete Project store for all of your swag, a true form running progression, and a box of hand-selected Deuce Gym apparel. All you have to do is enter a picture of your toes, your little tootsies, toes forward in some sort of creative fashion, and a winner will be chosen at random on October 1st. So again, you still have a couple days to do that. Check out our Instagram page or this post to find out exactly what you need to hashtag and all the at symbols. Until next time, bye! Bye!